A thousand tidings to the new daimyo. It's an honor to be welcomed to Mars Espa by you, Dr. Asi. May you never leave, Morsespa. Even when a trend ocean pays you a compliment, it sounds like a threat. Boba Fett Day, Bucketheads. Greetings, Mevartigar. Welcome to the 118th Boba Blasting Dudes with Missiles episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, Star Wars Boba Fett-loving podcast. We're so glad you're here. New listeners, welcome aboard. If this is your first time checking out Mandovision, we hope you enjoy the show. We hope you stick around, because... Uh, it's going to be great. Boba Fett Wednesdays from here on out for the next seven weeks. And uh, again, welcome back to the longtime listeners of the show. You've been here between seasons of The Mandalorian and now Book of Boba Fett. You've, you've put up with my antics as we rewatch Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And now we get to new content. New Star Wars. The Book of Boba Fett is here. We have been waiting basically a year. A little over a year for this to happen. And it has come and arrived. And... Uh, I mean, listen, like, my quick, you know, honest reaction, not disappointed. Really like the episode. I think it's a really strong start. I appreciate how straightforward it is, how direct it is. There's not a lot of, at least thus far in this episode, uh, we weren't working with a lot of nuance, all right? <laughs> we, we, weren't, we weren't trying to, like, layer all these different things together. Like, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot going on in this show, and this episode is just sort of hinting at things to come. Uh, but again, it's like Boba Fett itself, it's practical. It's straightforward. Uh, it, it is a man just trying to make his way in the galaxy. And, and I think this, this episode helps establish a really nice tone for the series. And I'm excited to be here and talk with you all about it today. Uh, let's get to the rest of the, of the particulars of the show before we dive into everything head first, all right? Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter, Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure you are liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And hey, if you're if you're in the mood, if you're digging the show, five star reviews, so insanely helpful in our never-ending battle against the tyranny of the algorithm. So thank you uh, for your efforts, for the for the ammunition to fight that battle against 
the algorithm. We want to take that thing down eventually, sooner or later. All right. Like I said, we got ourselves the debut episode of the Book of Boba Fett today. And and uh, I stayed up till midnight last night. I had a little bit of a later wake-up call than I expected to. So I was able to stay up till midnight. Got to watch the show. Uh, loved it. Uh, now, unfortunately, I was unable to watch it uh, in, in, in the ideal environment due to uh, holiday circumstances still affecting my living situation. <laughs> so I watched it on my laptop, which was better than better than the other scenario, which was like having to watch it on my phone. That would have been terrible. But I got to watch it on my laptop last night, came home from work today, rewatched it again uh, to kind of go back over my notes, see if I felt a little bit differently about some elements as opposed to others. Uh, because, you know, as we have this conversation today, I, I, I want to see if, if my first reaction is just sort of like my first reaction. You know, sometimes you're like, you're thrown off a little bit by something. You're like, oh, that's 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 interesting. Let me watch that again after I've sort of processed the rest of this episode. And that's exactly what we did today. So, yeah, I got to watch it again before, uh, I'm sorry, after work. And, and uh, I kind of sharpened up my notes, sharpened up my opinions. And, uh, you know, maybe some of them you agree with, maybe some of them you don't, but that's okay. Remember, that's the point. That's why we're here. We're just here to have a fun, friendly conversation. You don't have to agree with me on every single thing, uh, other than the fact we all love Star Wars. And that's that's really the bottom line. That's why we're all here. Uh, and yeah, and Boba Fett, I mean, come on. But let's talk about it. I'm going to have some very different opinions. But again, by and large, really enjoyed the episode, really liked what they're establishing, what they're setting up. But we got to talk about some stuff. We got to talk about a lot of things. <laughs> so let's get to this week's plot, okay? Episode one, the book of Boba Fett. I'm sorry, chapter one, Stranger in a Strange Land. Original air date December 29th, 2021. That is today. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Written by John Favreau. And our plot, Boba Fett holds court. There it is. Like the man himself, straightforward, practical. Gotta dig that. Gotta dig it. Our cast this week. Uh, quite a cast. Tamura Morrison is Boba Fett. Ming-Na Wen is Fennec Shand. Matt Berry is UK2B, the droid. David Pasquesi as Mok Shai is Major Domo. Jennifer Beals is Garza Thwip. Thwip, excuse me. Uh, we get appearances from Daniel Logan in, in flashbacks. Wesley Kimmel is the Tuscan Kid. Xavier Jimenez is the Tuscan Chief. And Joanna Bennett is the Tuscan Warrior. You also get Don Deniger as the Rodian Prisoner, by the way. Some other people make the appearances in the show. Robert Rodriguez has a cameo as uh, Doc Strassi. Uh, and then uh, Frank Trigg and Colin Himes as the Gamorrean guards. Really, I mean, come on. Woof. That's a good cast. Solid cast, solid performances all around. And I'm really excited to talk about this episode. Um, and I guess it's time. Let's just get into it. We'll get onto the other side and really dive in. I'll give you some more of my thoughts, some of more of my opinions, and we'll, we'll just dive into the sucker. What do you say? All right. If you're new here and you don't know what's coming... Get ready, because it's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Lord Fett offers the gift of your leave unmolested. Hmm. Apologies and appreciation. The mayor may take it differently, but I shall indeed convey your sentiment. I would not be surprised if you receive another delegation in the near future. Keep an eye on that one. I keep an eye on everyone. So as we begin this series, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, we are forced to ask ourselves a question right off the bat. How well 
do we know Boba Fett? Uh, it's an interesting question. It's a fairly loaded question. If you're an old fan like myself, uh, you know multiple versions of Boba Fett from all the various continuities that used to exist prior to Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm and Star Wars. So we have to sort of remind ourselves that all that is considered canon about Boba Fett is his early appearances from the prequel trilogy as, as a small child, his appearances, again, as a small child who's growing up during the course of the Clone Wars, and uh, I believe there's several appearances in Rebels, if memory serves. I could be mistaken about that. But in that period, he's still, again, still a young man beginning to forge his reputation as a bounty hunter. Uh, and then it's it's basically the original trilogy. It's it's Empire and his brief appearances in, in Return of the Jedi. And then into The Mandalorian, right? What happens in the comic books that Marvel's putting out? What's going on uh, in, in some of the... Is, I don't... Actually, I take it back. I don't think he has had any appearances in the novels just yet. Uh, so he's been primarily focused in Marvel comics in current continuity. Um, but that's all. Those are at the particular whims of movies and TV. So any of that stuff that we know can be changed. But that's not a ton of material to work with, to be perfectly honest with you. We know uh, from the old continuity, from the old canon, that he is a character with a code, who lives by a code. That part seems to have carried over to the new canon to the to the Disney canon, if you will, so that that part of him still seems to be firmly intact. What we don't have uh, are are sort of like the past experiences that sort of shaped him that we got from the old expanded universe. You know, we're we're getting some of that at Marvel right now with their uh, War of the Bounty Hunters comic that was just out. The the uh, sort of the notion that someone stole Boba Fett's I mean, excuse me, that someone stole well, I guess Boba Fett's bounty. They stole the carbonite frozen body of Han Solo. And Boba Fett's determination to get that back. So we, we see the sort of, the, again, his fierce determination, the sort of ruthlessness that Boba Fett has to, to get the job done, to accomplish what he's been hired to do. Those are sort of the basic parameters that we work with with Boba Fett thus far, as far as what is concrete about this character. But there's a lot of, of empty spaces to play with. And uh, as we, we speculated in some prior episodes... Uh, that you know, I wondered if they would go back and bring Daniel Logan into the cast as a younger Boba Fett, flashing back to his earlier days, you know, pre Empire Strikes Back, to kind of show what shaped him into that particular mold of this bounty hunter, what shaped him into that character that, when we saw them in Return, er, excuse me, in Empire Strikes Back, captured our imagination, captured our fascination, and I'm curious if, if they're willing to go that far back into his history. What's nice though, is what we're getting. We're getting answers to the questions from Return of the Jedi on. We're going to get a lot of that ground between Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian. We're going to get a lot of that filled in. And what I think's interesting thus far is that our, our sort of perceptions of Boba Fett as, as this ruthless, merciless bounty hunter can still be just that. Uh, but it, it seems to me what they're doing is the next phase of Boba Fett. Something has changed in him. Something has occurred uh, to him that there's a better way. And that's what I'm wondering if we're going to try and get at with this series. As, as we sort of have seen from this first episode, his time with the Tuscans. Uh, how is that going to change him into the character that we caught up with in Season 2 of The Mandalorian? To the, to the character who's now 
trying to take over the the hut crime, job of the hut's crime cartel you know how has that experience shaped him and particularly how has the experience in the sarlacc pit changed him uh again we we've seen it in many many other forms of, of, of media and, and in real life a, a near-death experience can have a profound effect on a person. It will make them re-examine things, re-examine uh, re their choices, their decisions, the way they lead their lives. Is that something that Boba Fett is going to be going through uh, as, as he spends time with the Tusken Raiders now? And and I'm I'm fascinated by by all that because again, it's it, it allows us to keep our our notion, our our mythology of Boba Fett as the as the badass bounty hunter that we've always thought him to be. But it allows us to do more with the character. It allows us to take him in different directions uh, and explore him in a very, you know, human way, which I'm, I'm very intrigued by. This show seems to be setting that up, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the potential there. Uh, because, in particular, you know, we saw it in the trailers. I didn't, I didn't deep dive too much into it because, I, I, again, taking something from a trailer is, is oftentimes taking something out of context. So the line that he uses in the trailer, and it is in this first episode as well, that he wants to rule, he won't rule with fear, he wants to rule with respect. Uh, that's interesting to me, because I, th I think the previous iteration of Boba Fett, prior to the Sarlacc Pit, uh, my take on it is he had no problem with fear. His reputation, his, uh, his reputation as the, as the, the top bounty hunter in the galaxy, galaxy was, was predicated on fear, on intimidation, on just showing up in a room and your bounty exposing himself because he's going to run out the back door because he sees you there. You know, Boba Fett is a character who knows that fear is an effective tool. He doesn't need Fennec Shan to remind him of that. I am very curious, as, as, I, as I just stated, what has changed with the character, whether it's his time in the Sarlacc, his time that we're, we're, we're going to see more, more uh, depicted, more, more uh, clarification on with the Tusken Raiders. And we are definitely going to be talking about the Tuscans uh, in, in more detail here moving forward. But that's sort of my big takeaway from the series is, is are we examining a new version of Boba Fett with a new sort of, um, I don't know, philosophy, outlook on, on how he wants to live his life, how he wants to lead this criminal organization that he thinks he can just take over. Uh, and it's I think we all know, not going to be as easy as he thought it was going to be. And a lot more things in play than he expected them to be. And we will talk about and speculate on those this week and in, in, in the weeks to come. Uh, so just some things to keep in mind as, as we, as we got, dive into our, our progression here. Uh, because this is a very, uh, again, I, I, the word seems ill-suited for, for a Star Wars show. But it's, it's a, sort of a very human uh, experience that we're getting with Boba Fett. Again, a near-death experience. Perhaps like the most near-death experience that Boba Fett's had up to this point in his career and and how it changes him how it shapes him, how it reshapes him and how his time with the tuscans helps to reshape him i'm curious to see if that's what we get if that's what we we uh, pursue in the storyline going forward and yeah just keep those in mind as, as we dive into this into this uh in this seven episode series over the next seven weeks it's going to be a blast you know maybe i'm onto something maybe i'm way off base <laughs> we're going to find out and i have no problem uh, calling or owning it when I am wrong. It's not a big deal to me. Uh, I'm happy to admit it. But that's part of the fun, right, of, of Star Wars and, and uh, the, the sort of veil of secrecy that surrounds these shows. It allows us to kind of have these conversations and, and speculate um, to, to a certain extent. To a certain reasonable extent of speculation is 
on this podcast permitted. Let's not get crazy though. That's all I want to. That's all I want to say. Let's the speculation should stay uh, reasonable, as should our expectations for what's to come in the show. Uh, I don't expect Luke Luke Skywalker to come traipsing through Jabba's palace anytime soon. I don't expect uh, the you know to be a cameo from from Grogu. Or, or any of those things, or even like, some kind of de-aged uh, Harrison Ford as, as Han Solo. However, if they wanted to bring back Aaron Aldenreich, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, excuse me, as Han Solo, I'm okay with that. And if you are a long-time listener of the podcast, you will know how I feel about Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo and why I think there should be a Solo 2 uh, and why it should be a Disney Plus show. But again, that's a, that's a whole nother, another uh a ball of ball of uh, ball of grease, <laughs> if you if you will. All right, but let's talk about this episode because we open up and we're, we're sort of catching up right where we left off with with Fett at the palace. Uh, interesting choices with this episode in this beginning. I, I I feel like I didn't time it exactly, but I think it's somewhere between twelve and fourteen minutes of this episode with no actual dialogue being spoken. It's just scenes and images and, and flashing and, and action and it's it's exciting it's, it's it sort of lends this visceral quality to what we're witnessing uh and it's sort of it's sort of haunting those opening shots of java's palace of the of the the, the Beaumere monk monastery empty desolate cleaned out of the riffraff you know we we've seen it in two states uh we saw it bustling under java's watch and then we saw it under Bib Fortuna's in sort of like this tattered, you know, uh, faded glory sort of sort of moment, uh, as as Bib Fortuna, not the crime lord that Jabba was, and and, and you know very weakened state of of, of of affairs, and so Boba Fett was able just to walk in, blow Bib Fortuna away, and then tell him when to you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here, get the heck out. Uh, I think there's a reason for that. I think we'll be exploring more of that as we move forward with the show. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah, it's sort of some like haunting images of the palace. Again, familiar sights that we know from Jedi and, and other Star Wars media. And it's it was it was yeah, I don't know. It was just just sort of I guess the haunting is the best word I can say. It's like, oh wow. You're used to seeing so many beings in here, so many uh, uh, diverse alien species, and it's just empty. It's desolate. It's 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 just and then we go up to an upper chamber in the palace that we've not seen before. So a new, a new lo- locale for Jabba's palace. And I guess we have to stop calling it Jabba's palace, right? Like it's, it's Boba's palace at this point, right? Uh, and we and we see uh, a bactopod. Again, it's it's like the one Luke Skywalker was in. We, we recognize it as, as the camera kind of comes down on Boba in the tank. And we see him healing. He's he's suffered a lot. You know, we know he's he's been through something. He had to get out of the Sarlacc somehow. He was being slowly digested for over a thousand years and uh you know that has that leaves scars that leaves marks and so he's he's healing from that and again there's a certain amount of time from the sarlacc to when we catch up with the mandalorians roughly five years we don't know what other trials and tribulations he's been through just yet and i suspect we were going to get into that because as we see later in the episode boba fett not quite up to 100 percent um pretty close pretty close but he takes some damage and he he needs that pod again so I think we're going to find out more about that. He may have a more long-term injury than we than we are aware of, and 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 that might be something that comes about later on in, in the episode. Uh, but from that from that back to tank, we get that when he's in the tank, when he's in that that sort of isolation chamber, um, 
he's beginning to have dreams again. He says it to Fennec later in the episode. The dreams have returned, uh, and and they're flashing back to for, they're flashbacks to us things things we have seen, and then obviously new material too. But we flash back first to Camino, the waves of Camino crashing up against uh, Nima. No, not Nima Outpost. My goodness, of Topaka City. Recognizable images: a Slave One on the platform, or at least the ship formerly known as Slave One, depending on what they decide to do with that. We catch up with Daniel Logan, archive footage from the from the arena on Geonosis, picking up Django's helmet, um, and then we go into the Sarlacc pit, and we see the, the the moment that we wondered about, that we speculated about for for as fans for decades. How does Boba Fett make it out of the Sarlacc pit? And we get to see that depicted in live action for the first time. Uh, and it's it's rather exciting. It's rather fun. And uh, he's having a hard time. He's not doing great. Sees the stormtrooper off in the distance. How that stormtrooper got there, not sure. But you have to, you know, figure either like an Imperial convoy fell over at some point and the guy went tumbling out of the of his speeder bike into the pit of Carcoon. Or uh, Jabba, you know, had no problem throwing some stormtroopers into the Sarlacc himself uh, to send the message to the Empire. Regardless, he's there. Uh, he has a, he has some air pumping through him. Gets uh, Boba Fett takes a hit. Gets pumped up. Punches right through the wall of the Sarlacc pit, and then uh, uses his flamethrower to cook the Sarlacc from the inside out. I really like the scene, especially him punching his hand uh, up through the sand, crawling out of the sand, just covered in muck and grossness and, and sandiness. We know Anakin hates the sand because it's it's rough and coarse and it gets everywhere, and it's everywhere on Boba Fett. That is a fact. Uh, what's also really cool is, you know, di- those digestive fluids of the Sarlacc over him, who have, have like, sort, of, like, sort of tattered uh, the, the, the undergarments beneath the Beskar armor, right? Like, you can see it's warring through on, on the tunics and the pants and, and all that good stuff. One of the things I wanted to speculate about just a tiny bit, and it's not even speculation, it's, it's more of just, like, wishful thinking on my part, is I, I sort of wish the escape from the Sarlacc was a bit more. And, and that is perhaps due to my fandom uh, being so uh, long in the tooth at this point, you know? I, I, I have 30-plus years of, of EU in my head. And, and every time they've gone to sort of tell the tale of how Boba Fett would escape the Sarlacc pit, it's always a lot more involved. It's always a lot more complicated. Um, and I've always liked it. It's always been fun. This, like this episode in, 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 in particular is direct and blunt force. So it makes a ton of sense that it's actually not that big a thing. That he's Boba Fett, there's an obstacle in his way, he will overcome said obstacle to achieve his goal, which is escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Uh, there has been some speculation online that the, that John Favreau and, uh, and, and Robert Rodriguez are sort of retconning Return of the Jedi Special Edition because as, as Fett makes his way out of the Sarlacc pit, and assuming he, he he seemingly kills it by by cooking it from the inside out, um, that you know there's only like the one you see like the one tentacle kind of draped up over the dune, and nothing else is going on in that pit of Carcoon. You do not see that that beak that was uh, you know special effects in for the special editions of Return of the Jedi, and uh, because you didn't see that, people are wondering like oh did they retcon that? Did they get rid of that? Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I I don't have a definitive answer for you. Um, my 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 thought is no, they didn't, because uh, I, last time I checked Return of the Jedi on on Disney Plus, uh, it's still there, so I, I feel like Disney would go back and erase that if they were going to change something retroactively. Uh, we just don't see it because that, remember that, that that beak thing sort of rises up, 
You know, and if it's dead, I don't see it rising up anywhere. So there you go. But yeah, I, I, I do sort of wish the, the escape was a bit more grandiose, a bit more involved, a bit more complicated, uh, and, and involved more uh, Sarlacc uh, insanity. Because uh, in live action, we haven't seen it. I, I don't think we've seen enough of the Sarlacc pits. You know, if, if you if you played uh, Jedi, uh, the Star Wars Fallen Order game, uh, the, 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 the opening act uh, on that junk planet whose name escapes me, Balmora, it's not Balmora, that's not right. But uh, that planet, that giant junk planet has a huge Sarlacc. And it's awesome. And now, Grant, I, I get it. This is a show. It's got a budget. It's, it's you know, you're not going to do something on that scope, on that scale. But it, it's, it's still such a damn impressive visual that I, I, I sort of wish they had. Um, but, again, I, maybe I just have, like a, like, a soft spot for the Great Pit of Carcoon. And I wish I'd seen a little bit more of the Sarlacc action from, from uh, Boba Fett working his way from the inside out. Whatever. Once on the surface, we find Jawas, and they steal Boa Fett's armor as he's passed out on the sand. And, and you know, the exertion it must have taken to, to just crawl through that sand, to crawl through uh, uh, the innards of the Sarlacc. Uh, yeah, it must have ex- he must have been exhausted, worn out. Then, obviously, he was in the heat, the Tatooine Suns, not kind on a guy armored up. Jawa, and the Jawas just roll him. Just roll him. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. They, now Boba Fett does wake up at one point and try to stop him, uh, but he gets boutinied right in the face, and uh, and then they and they leave him for dead. Just leave him for dead in the sand. Obviously, we know the armor was going to go away. Obviously, we know the Jawas end up with it because this is how Cobb Vanth comes across it, gets it at one point uh, to to deal with the mining guild uh, in 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 his town in the in the uh, in the uh, the Marshall episode. Season one, season, excuse me, season two's opening episode of The Mandalorian. So this sets up Cobb Vanth getting the armor. We know that part of the story. Uh, next, though, we find a, t- a group of Tusken Raiders in a sandstorm, you know, in the Dune Sea. They find the body of Boba Fett unarmored in his, in his uh, long johns, his skivvies, if you will, uh, and they take him prisoner. And I, I like the sequence where they, 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 they rope him up. And they start, you know, he's supposed to walk behind them. They're on their banthas, heading back to their to their village, and he's walking. And then at a certain point, because he's he's already weak from dehydration, they gave him a little bit of juice from a grub. That wasn't gonna be enough. Once those those twin sons of of, of Tatooine hit, you're cooking. And so Boba just kind of passes out, and they just drag him the rest of the way. And then the next time he wakes up, he's tied to a post in the in the in the Tusken Raider village. And uh, yeah, he's being taunted by Tusken Raider children. How about that? I really like what they do with the Tusken Raiders in in this episode. Uh, they the Tusken Raiders have this this clan in particular seems to have stepped their game from the group that Anakin dealt with in Attack of the Clones. You know they have much more modern styled uh, 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 tents and, and, and canopies to live under. Uh, they seem very organ uh, again a much more organized group of Tuscans here. Uh, I don't want to know. I don't know if that's an evolution of, the, of them as a people, or if that's just this particular tribe. But this can, this this time they come across uh, in a way. Again, we haven't spent a ton, a ton of time with the Tuscans in an actual continuity sort of way. Uh, but this was very reminiscent of the Kenobi book. If you had a chance to read the John John Jackson Miller Kenobi book uh, about Obi Wan's early days living on Tatooine, attempting to watch over Luke. Uh, and he has to deal with some moisture farmers getting into a tiff uh, with a group of Tusken Raiders and, and sort of 
bring that to a head in, in sort of as, as peaceful a manner as he can. In that book, we get to learn a lot more about the Tuscans uh, as a people, as, as, a, as, a, as a culture. And unfortunately, that book is Legends. Uh, it doesn't count anymore. But it seems like some, some good pieces of it seem to made, have made their way into this episode of the show uh, and in, in a really positive way. And I don't know if it's from that book or if it's sort of from the, the notion that uh, George Lucas, when, when writing Star Wars, when coming up with Star Wars, uh, you know, sort of freely acknowledged that Tatooine is sort of his uh, nod to Frank Herbert and Dune. You know, uh, the Tatooine is, is basically his Arrakis. Uh, and seemingly, by extension, the Tusken Raiders are George Lucas's version of the Fremen. And we get to see that very, very much in this episode, uh, particularly when Boba attempts to make his escape and ends up in, in combat against a Tusken Raider. A, a Tusken Raider, highly skilled, highly uh, efficient, proficient in, in, in the... In the in, G- in Gadurfi stick combat, I suppose you would say, uh, and and makes makes easy work of Boba Fett again, a, another physical opponent that we, we would think would do quite well in in that sort of uh, arena, but there's no match for the Tuscan. It doesn't. I don't even think it really comes close. Not, I don't. If memory serves, Boba doesn't even get a, get one shot on on that Tuscan Raider warrior, and is rather easily dispatched and and left once again in the sand, and he wakes up again tied to that post. <laughs> and and is now like the plaything of the of the again of, of of a Tuscan child. Uh so I really enjoyed the flashbacks. I really enjoyed seeing the Tuscans in this light and the, again, you just it's the similar the Tuscans there's nothing all that new about them. Uh their garbs a little bit more freshened up and and you know that you know their look is more distinctive as opposed to uniform like they were in 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 episode 4. Uh but what you get is you still get them speaking their native language. They're, they're, they're not speaking basic all of a sudden. Now, maybe that changes down the road, you know, as, as, as Fett spends time with them, and he's going to have to learn to communicate. So either he's going to learn Tuscan or one of them is going to learn basic. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this, this exploration of, of the Tuscans and kind of highlighting them more as a, as a noble warriors than, than sort of like the brute raiders of moisture farms that they have often been depicted as, which, again, they are. But, I'll go back to that Kenobi book. There's a, there's a lot more back and forth between the moisture farmers and the Tusken Raiders than, than the, the moisture farmers are simple, simply victims of the Tuscans. It's, it's, it's far more complicated than that, I would assume that carries over into this new canon. He's no good to me dead. Now, back in the present, Boba Fett is going to be Again, as the plot said, holding court. He's meeting with who he believes are going to be like his loyal lieutenants of his new criminal empire that he is uh, taking from Bib Fortuna, who took it from the from the passing of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, he's getting uh, presented tribute. Well, first from an Aqualish, he's getting some money, some cash, a bucket full of cash. Can't go, well, it's not cash, really, I guess. It's all coin, but metal. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of coin, and uh, that's, uh, that appeals to Boba Fett. Next, we get we meet uh, Dostrasi, the the tradition, uh, who presents a Wookiee pelt as tribute to Boba Fett, and and uh, again has that opening line that we used at the beginning of the show, uh, how he hopes he stays in Mos Espa, he never leaves Mos Espa, which again sounds very threatening and very ominous, and I do believe that is is should be taken as it is meant, not as a compliment as as Boba seems to take it at this. Uh, I think Boba Fett is an unwanted force. 
on Tatooine at this point. And uh, I think that's going to come to a head next week or in coming episodes. Uh, what's interesting, what I thought was interesting uh, about Boba being presented with a Wookiee pelt was, again, the, the idea, and we haven't seen it in a while because we haven't seen Boba's old costume in a long time. But remember, when first introduced, uh, uh, Boba Fett has those Wookiee pelts on his armor as part of his, as part of his gear. I think it's two to three different, different uh, Wookiee braids around the right side of his arm, around his shoulder. Uh, you know, various, whether it was bounties or, 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 or uh, you know, he just killed him for various reasons, crossing his path or whatnot. You know, that I think that story's been told in previous comic books. Uh, but still, uh, a piece of his costume, sort of, I think, I think it's sort of an homage to a piece of his costume that is not uh, being carried over to his new look in, in the series Book of Boba Fett. Which, by the way, in case I haven't said it before, and I'm sure I did when we were, when, back when we were covering season two of The Mandalorian, I do really like the new look. There's like the sort of darker green paint on the armor, uh, with that that sort of black under undercoat under 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 tunic for the for the suit. I think it looks really sharp. I think it it makes that green really pop. And uh, yeah, I dig it. So, how do you feel? I hope you all feel the same way. I'm wondering if you guys think it's good. If you like sort of the old uh, gray jumpsuit underneath, um, which by the way, that was another funny part of 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 his capture with the Tuscans. You know at, at when they find him in the desert, the only piece of his original armor that he has is the old boots, the old, those old booties that he had. And <laughs> that is definitely an upgrade in the new suit, I think. I like, I like the calf-high boots, uh, the ones that go, I guess I guess it's really knee-high, really, because they go up around the calf. But uh, those are much sharper, much better look than the old booties that he had in the, uh, in the, in the previous iteration of the, of the costume. So, yeah. Uh, what's also interesting about Doc, uh, Doc Strassi's pro- pronouncement, sort of a, a, a declaration of fealty to Boba Fett, is that he calls him a daimyo. And, and you may know the term. Uh, it, it dates back to, to feudal Japan. Uh, but what's interesting about a daimyo is that a daimyo is a, is a person, in, and again, this is in, in Japan. I, I have no idea that it may mean something completely different in Star Wars. We, we will learn that over the course of the series, I am sure. Uh, but a daimyo is is sort of subservient to the shogun, uh, so this that sort of implies, on Doc Strassi's part, that there is someone over Boba Fett still, and maybe he's not aware of that. Maybe he hasn't quite caught on uh, that that uh, being called a daimyo is not quite as uh, prestigious as it may sound. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. Again, I think Doc Strassi knows more than he's letting on here. Uh, just like the Aqualish did, probably probably before that. Even we don't know, we are not privy to what the Aqualish said. They, no one knew. There was no translator droid handy, uh, so that guy could have been like, "This is going to be a short. You're going to be here for a short amount of time because the guy above you is going to crush you like a bug." I mean, you know, we don't know. Uh, but again, a, a very interesting piece of of uh, I don't know Earth culture, I, I suppose, put in, into Star Wars. It's not the first time it's happened, but yeah, looking in, into when you look into what the, what the, uh, a daimyo is. They are beneath the Shogun in feudal Japan society. Powerful on their own right, but still they bend the knee to the Shogun. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, at this point, we also get the, now we get the conversation with uh, the mayor of Omos Espas, his major domo. The mayor not showing up. Again, not respectful. Not paying tribute, not respectful. And... The sort of veil threat at the end that there might be another delegation that makes their presence known to Boba Fett and Fennec Shand at a certain point, uh, because of 
the lack of tribute that's been paid to the mayor. So I, I obviously I, I don't think I'm I'm breaking any new ground here with the with the statement that clearly the mayor of Mos Espa is is far more of the the kingpin of crime on Tatooine than Boba Fett is at this particular moment. You know, uh, I'm I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out. Uh, we we probably got a good glimpse of the mayor of Mos Espa potentially in that trailer. We're not I'm not entirely sure. But we did get to see some some other characters that haven't quite made their debut just yet, and uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see how this shakes out. But thus far, it would seem to me that the kingpin that Boba Fett's going to have to worry about is the mayor of Mos Espa, who probably sees power as soon as he could. Remember, the, remember the old saying: "Nature abhors a vacuum." And and at this point in the timeline, Boba Fett or Boba uh, Jabba, Jabba the Hutt has been dead for roughly five years. All right. I don't think it was as easy as Bib Fortuna stepping in and, and trying to take on the responsibility of, of running that criminal empire. Perhaps that's how it started, but Bib Fortuna, lackey. The guy has lackey written all over him. I don't think he could run a, an order from a deli, <laughs> let alone a criminal enterprise. Uh, so uh, Bib Fortuna was very likely usurped by the mayor of, Mo- the mayor of Moss Espa. And, and, and possibly other criminal enterprises that were interested in tattooing at the same point. Remember when, when, when Boba and Fennec come to the palace at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 in, in, the, in, in the, uh, the, the post-credit sequence? I, I mean, it's, it's sad in Jabba's palace. It's, it's worn down, beat down, no one's there, it's not thriving, it's not vibrant. Uh, I, th- I think Bib Fortuna was wasted his opportunity to be the criminal leader of Tatooine and probably again probably ceded power to the mayor of Mos Espa at this point and Boba Fett not really realizing the power dynamic just assumed that I kill Bib Fortuna Bib Fortuna is on on the throne at Jawa's palace he must be the king right I think the throne has been moved I don't think it's at the palace anymore and we're going to get a good glimpse at uh, where the criminal power on Tatooine now lies and I suspect like the crux of the show will be the power struggle, you know, Boba attempting to take it back to Jabba's palace and put himself as the kingpin. That that would seem to be what we're setting up in our present day storyline. I suspect there'll be more to it than that. I suspect there'll be a lot more going on, and and but 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 excuse me, not and but <laughs> that that's where we're going to keep our focus at for right now. We don't want to speculate too much down the road, but yeah. I mean, think back to that Tatooine scene at, at, at uh, post credits on Mandalorian season two. It, it was not Jabba's palace was not the the um, the bustling hive of criminal activity that it has been in in Return of the Jedi in episodes of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I mean, it was dead. There was no one of importance there. It was it was just like low level riffraff and hanger-ons uh, who didn't have any, anywhere else to go. It'd probably been kicked out by every other criminal organization in town. Bib Fortuna might have been. Low man on the criminal totem pole, if you will, and and uh, or the lowest rung of the criminal ladder of Tatooine. That's probably a more appropriate saying to go with nowadays. And and uh, yeah, and I think Boba Fett is just he's he's grabbed the lowest rung without even realizing it. He thought he was aiming for the top, and uh, he, he he misjudged severely uh, Bib Fortuna's ability to run a criminal empire. So a very telling sequence. Also, is, is the next the next sequence is uh, 
when Boba and Fennec move into, or they they go into Mos Espa, so they can go visit the the uh, the the a, a cantina resort lounge kind of area, the one the one owned uh, by Garza Whip, and uh, played by Jennifer Beals, by the way, and uh, again doing Boba Fett doing things his way, walking on foot, not being carried on a litter, uh, trying to be sort of like the gangster of the people, I suppose, you know, like the like the old style. Like New York gangsters who would just walk the streets and then be kind of like hailed as heroes, but Boba Fett's not hailed that way. Um, I think that's what he ultimately wants to get to, uh, but he's not to that point yet. But I think he's trying to show that he's more of a of a, of a street level kind of person. Again, not going to be carried on a litter, not going to be um, sending his lackeys out while he sits back in his palace and does things. Boba Fett, man of action, you know, a, a practical man. Again, I use that saying from the short story. Uh, but it, it fits his personality. Uh, and so we go into this new establishment, and it's it's got a very cantina vibe to it, but it's much more elegant, much more resort-like in a sense. Um, or maybe just like high-end club is, is a better way to describe it. The one owned by uh, 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 Garza Whip, played by Jennifer Beals, I say it once again. And we get something that I didn't expect to see. So apparently, now I, the internet has bought into this whole, whole wholesale. I, I cannot neither confirm it or deny it until uh, Filoni or Favreau or Rich Robert Rodriguez tells me otherwise. We will go on the presumption that yes, indeed, that is in fact Max Rebo. And and Max Rebo not dead, I should say, because by all by all accounts, Max Rebo blew up on Jabba's sail barge in Return of the Jedi. But but looks gosh darn like him, plays the music gosh darn like him, and he's there with a the Bith. Abith, who is possibly, probably, Figrin Danan. Figrin Danan from the Cantina Band. He seems to have lost the modal nodal, the, the model nodels. Oh, excuse me, the modal nodes. My goodness. Uh, his, his supporting band. He's teamed up with Max Rebo, and they're playing like a remix. Like a, a kind of like a guitar-based remix of the Cantina music. You know you heard it. You know you loved it. And if, it's, if that's Figrin... And Max Rebo, that is a super group in the Star Wars universe for the first time. And I love every second of it. I'm here for it. I want that album. I want it now. It's going to be great. It's like damn Yankees all over again. Okay, maybe you don't like damn Yankees. But I'm old, all right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yes, we get to meet Garza Whip. Uh, And, again, you suspect there's more going on with that scenario. We don't get a ton to pull from with that. But it definitely seems like there's more there going on than, than we're led to believe. Uh, that, that perhaps Garza is playing some of these criminal elements against each other, or was manipulating Bib Fortuna for some reason. That will be later highlighted because it doesn't seem her establishment doesn't seem like the sort of place that an uh, in, in, in inept gangster like Bib Fortuna would be able to have protection over. But again, we'll we'll see more about that. I suspect that is going to be something revealed to us over the course of the series. But uh, uh, what do you think about Jennifer Beals making making that appearance? You know, it's like flash dance all over again, right? Just waiting for her to pull that bucket down on her. No, I wasn't. I really wasn't. <laughs> uh, when Boba Fett, Boba Fett uh, allows them to take his helmet and Fennec's helmet for for a nice shine while they're having a conversation, and when he gets it back, it's full of Republic credits, which means Tatooine's come a long ways since the days of Watto, where uh, Republic credits were no good here. Um, it's on their way out that we begin our big action sequence. Where's a, a a group of uh, sort of a, a, a masked up attackers descend on Boba and Fennec, 
and they have these plasma shields and they kind of enclose them in and then they're kind of prodding them with like these vibro staffs and getting them getting them real good hurting them real bad and it's it's oh you know <laughs> oh i skipped over a note i <laughs> Oh, uh, we didn't talk about the Gamorians that, that, that Boba spared. They were loyal to Jabba. They were loyal to Bib Fortuna. They claim they're now loyal to him. So he takes them to Mos Aspa with him. And we see him in the background there. And there's some, some comedic moment with Garza uh, asking if she can uh, hose them down and feed them while they chat. And Boba's like, no, no, no. We're all good here. Um, it is the Gamorian guards whose lives he spared who come running to his rescue with blades high in the air, waving them like they just don't care. Uh, and I couldn't tell you how delighted I was to see these Gamorreans swing into act- well, not swing like Spider-Man, but come and come step into the into, into the fray and and uh, do what we've allegedly been told they're good at, which is being muscle, being being uh, total tough guys, right? Uh, getting to see them step up, do some damage, kick some butt. I I was just delighted. We sort of got teased with this uh, back in season two of The Mandalorian. I think it was in the first episode where we're seeing the the Gamorreans fighting each other in, the, in that cage match, and and it's sort of like a, a sort of a slimmed down, muscled up Gamorrean as opposed to what we saw in Return of the Jedi. Uh, and we get to see that in full form this time around, as again they do some real damage and they prove their loyalty to Boba Fett, uh, who takes some damage during this encounter. Again, another sign that maybe Boba Fett's not operating at 100%, that maybe there's more some, some more long-term, uh, long, uh, uh, sustained injuries that he's dealing with on a, on a recurring basis, which is why he needs that back to pod. Uh, because once they turn the tide of the attack in their favor, he tells the Gamorreans to get him back to the back to pod. He needs to get back there while Fennec pursues the other, the escaping... Uh, uh, attackers, right? We don't know who these attackers are. There's been some speculation online that they're connected to the the Chuck Wendig aftermath books. Um, I suspect they're connected to the the mayor of Moss Espa. We'll see if they tie that all together. And of course, we'll talk about that more when we know for sure. So so please stay tuned to that. Uh, but it was exciting, a, a good action sequence. Uh, Boba Fett gets one parting shot, blows one of those dudes up with a missile. That's pretty exciting. That was pretty fun. A bit of overkill, but Boba was pissed. Uh, and we got to see ferocious Fett. Uh, on the attack once again too as he got the upper hand on that one attacker turned the club on him and we saw like i said we saw angry fett like we saw him smashing stormtroopers back in season two of the mandalorian just angry cheeks a quivering with rage Woo! it was intense it was good i loved it it was awesome and and that's when we get fennec in pursuit and it's like it's a <laughs> it's like it's like parkour time in star wars it's a parkour party and and Fennec was invited. She gets the upper hand on on these jabronis. At some, you know, uh, they only need one though. They only need one. Uh, so she kicks one right off a building <laughs> and takes the other one prisoner. Uh, the Gamorans get Boba back to the back to the back to pod, and that's where we trigger our flashback. We get our next flashback, which is once again uh, Boba Fett as prisoner of the Tusken Raiders. Now he's like the plaything of a of a young Tusken. Who is going to take him and the and, and the fellow prisoner, the Rodian, who was the one who ratted Fed out in the escape attempt earlier in the sequence? Uh, this young Tuscan's taking them out into the the deeps of the Dune Sea, maybe the Jutland Wastes. They didn't really specify, and probably the Jutland Wastes. That makes the most sense, right? Like if it's the Dune Sea, they'd probably be sinking a lot. Um, but they go into the they go into the into the the de- into the deep desert. We get to see we get to see 
a moisture farmer being harassed by 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 someone. We're not sure. I saw some speculation online. Some people thinking it's it's the the mining guild. That's a definitely a possibility. What I sort of wanted to speculate a little bit about here is the the idea, the notion. Uh, it looked like the majority of this group was Nikto, and like some some sort of like Nikto swoop bite gang, right? So what I'd like to posit for your consideration is the notion that again we don't know the exact amount of time uh, that Boba Fett was in the Sarlacc to when he escaped. We don't know how long it's been since Jabba's death to this moment in the, in the, in in Tatooine time, right? We don't know how long it's been. This might be the the power vacuum, right? Like like swoop gangs and and uh, you know various criminal enterprises running rampant, unchecked because Jabba's not there. Uh, so moisture farmers who maybe were paying protection to Jabba are now being harassed by these swoop gangs. Um, I think that's a reasonable possibility. Again, the mining guild makes a ton of sense. You know, Mos Pelga is, is is you know is, is our prime example of that. But I wanted to kind of consider that. Uh, and they were tagging the moisture farmer's house with what appeared to be a J and an L. Now, again, I, I suspect they're not speaking basic, and, and my Orabesh is terrible, but uh, I don't think a J and anything that looks, resembles a J or an L has anything to do with, with the Arabesh, uh, you know, vernacular. So I, ha- I haven't found a connection there just yet. If it was basic, I wondered if it was like some sort of like Jabba Lives support group. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, like maybe maybe these moisture farmers, they're like, oh, we heard that Jabba's dead, so we don't have to pay protection money anymore. And the swoop gang come, comes down. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Jabba, Jabba living now, fool. Pay up. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I want to see that explored more fully. I suspect we're going to get more uh, information on that as, as time progresses, as uh, the Tuscans will probably be drawn into the conflict with the moisture farmers and the, the swoop bite gangs. If that's what they are or if it's the mining guild, we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out about that. Uh, so, so, so yeah, interesting, interesting stuff going on in that sequence. I think that's a, more of a seed that's being planted for later on in the in the series. Uh, so, I want to see, I want to see what fruit those, those seeds bear. And, and speaking of fruit, let's let's talk about the sequence because what happens next is that young Tuscan puts the Rodian and Boba to work digging in the sand to find what? What is that? What is that stuff? Are those uh, seeds? Some kind of fruit? Some kind of water bearing nut? Uh, I'm very intrigued by it because. Um, Obviously, the Tuscans are very good at knowing where they are, where to find them, so that they can survive in the desert, stay hydrated, uh, you know, stay moisturized, and uh, you know, because moisture is the essence of water. And uh, when you're living in the in the Jutland wastes, when you're living in the Dune Sea, you need the water, the Vasa, as as we call it in Germany. Um, so, so I really like that we get the the Rodian as he's digging. The Rodian seems really good at finding these uh, these water bearing uh, nuts. Uh, if you will, or this water-bearing fruit. I can't. I'm, again, I'm not quite sure what it is exactly. Uh, if anyone has any clarification, or if I find, ooh, uh-oh, shouldn't have pushed that. If I find any more clarification on that, we will definitely talk about it and, and address any sort of oversights um, in the next episode for Book of Boba Fett. And and yeah, so if I get clarification, I will share it here with you all. Don't worry about that. Uh, the Rodian digging in the sand comes across some kind of like scaliness underneath the underneath the surface there. And awakens a giant sand lizard scorpion thing. It's not a scorpion in the sense that it has a tail, but it sort of like walks like a scorpion in a sense, like 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 uh, like Dwayne Johnson in the Scorpion King, kind of moves like that. But fearsome li- lizard creature kind of has the head of the creature of the Black Lagoon. Um, 
but it's a great visual. It's, it's a great effect. It looks really, really good. Uh, it makes short work of the Rodian. It tosses the Tuscan, that the Tuscan dog-like creature away. The watchdog makes bats the kid away at a certain point. Beaten, Bo- I'm beating on Boba Fett. Uh, but Boba Fett seizes the opportunity as that creature goes after the youngling Tuscan uh, to employ a move patented by Princess Leia herself, where where he climbs the back of this creature with his chains because he was chained to the Rodian. He was the prisoner, remember that. And uses that chain to choke out said lizard creature before it kills the Tusken Raider youngling. And uh, the Tusken Raider child is delighted by this. Just simply delighted by this. And they go back to the Tusken village. They have they have taken the head from this creature and and uh, the child is telling the story, telling the tale. You wonder if the kid's embellishing his role in, the, in it or not. I don't know. I don't know. Boba doesn't seem to care that much. Uh, but the chieftain, the Tuscan chieftain is listening. And, and uh, the, the chieftain has is, is been this, this kind of imposing visual figure throughout these flashbacks. Has said nothing to Boba Fett. Just kind of gives these looks. Will nod at the other warriors. And, and kind of sits there and, and, and drinks the water off the, these, uh, like I don't know, cola nuts or whatever. Um, <laughs> and as listening to the tale from the child, steps towards Boba. Again, back to him, you know, not giving him full respect, but offers him the water from this fruit or nut or seed or whatever the heck it is. And Boba drinks deeply. Boba gets what he's been wanting, water. Because we didn't talk about it. But yeah, that kid, the Tuscan kid, did not like it when, when Boba tried to drink from that, uh, from that seed he dug up. No, no, no. But now Boba Fett gets water, gets some respect, and maybe... A place in the tribe as well so yeah i'm waiting to see what happens here because remember when we catch up with boba fett especially in season two of the mandalorian uh he has a gadurfi stick with him i suspect he spends quite a bit of time with the tuscans i suspect he finds them to be uh an honorable people and i want to know i want to see if his near-death experience at the hands of or at at the tentacles of the sarlacc at the digestive acids of the Sarlacc, uh, coupled with having his armor stolen, having his, basically his reputation, his identity, all taken from him, stripped away from him like the armor was. Uh, if spending time with these Tuscans will reshape his outlook, will reshape his perspective on how to go about being a man just trying to make his way in the galaxy. Uh, I'm really intrigued by that notion. I'm really intrigued by that idea. Again, sort of infusing... Uh, a, a story that's going to be uh, the Star Wars criminal underworld. It's going to be a crime story at its heart in the present time, but it's going to it's going to inject this sort of needed dose of humanity into the story as we as we sort of see as as maybe we learn why Boba Fett is doing things the way he's doing them. And again, I am insanely intrigued for this this idea for this possibility, and I cannot wait to see how it shakes out. Um, I can't. I think I've gotten. I've gone through all my notes. I think I got everything. I I apologize for skipping over the my note on the on the Gamorans. I was just so, so excited to talk about uh, Boba and Fennec to Mos Espera. So yeah, I, my bad, my bad. I could have done that a little bit more dramatic. But you watched the episode. I mean, you knew. You knew it wasn't a spoiler. <laughs> you you saw the same show I did. Uh, so where would I rate this episode? Uh, it, it, it's sort of hard to tell because I I we don't have the bigger picture. But, I mean, to me, it's an eight. It's an eight and a half. Are we doing halves? Am I allowed to do a half? 
because yeah, if I can do a half, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Uh, I really enjoyed it, particularly the second time around, as I sort of processed more of it and was a bit more ready for where we were going with things. You know, the first time you're, you're watching these Star Wars shows, um, particularly this one, because it is so direct and so straightforward, I, I think I was kind of taken aback by that. I was sort of half expecting some sort of, I don't know, moment. And, and, and it's just a good episode of, of TV. And that's all it needs to be. And that's all the show needs to be. Again, it, it, that works for Boba Fett and who he is. All right? So let's get excited. Let's get pumped up. We got six more weeks of Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett coming our way. Uh, and I think, I think the biggest thing I want to talk about in closing is uh, in this first episode, she had some nice moments. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know how much I love Ming-Na Wen. I want her to invite me over to a dinner party uh, so that I, I, I can just ask her questions and just bask in the glory that is Ming-Na Wen. And and because uh, I, I just think she'd be a delightful dinner party host, I, I really do. I, th- I think she would put on the best one. She would have an amazing charcuterie board, uh, an incredible selection of cheeses, and I bet the wine would be top notch. So what I want to see uh, coming forward with the going forward with the show is is Fennec get a chance to kind of stand out on her own. Like as much as I'm digging the the Boba Fett flashbacks to to his time uh, in the desert. You know, probably with the Tuscans, and you know, again, we we openly speculated: will they go back further? Will they will they bring Daniel Logan back to uh, show us earlier Boba Fett days, or is that something they might do in a season two? Uh, I would be very curious to see more of Fennec's flashbacks, sort of how she got where she is, how she became the master assassin for the for these criminal groups. Um, I think that would be a really neat story for for her because. The biggest criticism on Fennec Shand is that she's not a fully developed character yet. Uh, I've sort of have resisted that notion. If you listen to, to our Bad Batch reviews, you know where I stand. That I think Fennec Shand is a character who uh, has great potential. We just haven't gotten to it yet. You, you have to give this character more appearances. You can't, you, know, you can't just have them show up, give their full backstory, and then we're like, okay, now they're cool. No, 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 no. Like It's Star Wars. You can pace it out. They clearly have plans for the character. And that's what really matters. But yeah, I'd love to see more of that in this show. Not just waiting for like the next season of Bad Batch to come around and, and get more of it that way. No, no, no. Let's have an episode, spending more time with Fennec, you know, her day-to-day doing things for Fett, you know, and, 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 and flashing back to how she kind of got to this place uh, during the time of the Empire, uh, you know, working for these criminal organizations in the midst of, of dealing with the Empire. I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it's a really... Uh, a, a character with, again, a lot of potential, and I, I think this show is a great way to uh, flesh that out, to show it, and I, we'd, I think we'd all be delighted because I, I, I don't know a single person who's like, I don't know if I need more Ming-Na Wen in my life. <laughs> Who says that? No one. And if they are, don't trust them. They're no good. All right. So, yeah, that is that is our review for episode one of the Book of Boba Fett, Stranger in a Strange Land. And it's not episode one. It is chapter one. Excuse me on that. I'm, I'm so used to doing our, our Clone Wars shows. That I'm used to saying episode. i got to get back in the, in, the, in the habit of saying chapter for the live action shows. And I will. I promise. All right. Uh, we, we got some closing stuff to do here real quick. I'll try to make it as quick as I can. Uh, remember, a, a reminder to please follow us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, what did I miss in this episode? What do you disagree with me about? Use the use that long form method of, of contact. Hit me up with the email. 
please be sure to like, subscribe, and share the show. Follow the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And if you have the time and the inclination, five-star reviews, so insanely helpful. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, one big development going forward, uh, I wanted to announce we just we just rebranded and relaunched the uh, the Patreon account for a, another podcast that I used to do that I no longer do that has moved over. So MandoVision now has a Patreon account. If you'd like to support that, there are, are two main tiers. Uh, you can be a supporter of the show, get a shout-out at the end of every episode. That begins in January. If you do the secondary tier... Uh, that's a little bit more expensive. You get access to all the bonus content that already exists on there from the previous podcast, uh, and you will get all the new stuff coming out uh, in starting in January for the show on a fairly regular basis, including at least one bonus episode podcast. Uh, it might be more pop culture centric than Star Wars centric, but it's there for your for your enjoyment. And uh, I thank you in advance for the, for the love and support. Uh, with, without all you wonderful Patreon people, uh, the lights would go off. No, they probably wouldn't. But it'd be a bit more of a struggle. <laughs> That's for sure. So uh, consider that the link to our Patreon page is is available. I believe it's just patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. Uh, but it's in, the, it's in the notes on your, on, your, uh, on your podcast feeder there. If you pull up the show notes, it's right there. So keep that in mind. Keep that in consideration. But otherwise, the show's free. It will always stay free. Uh, but, and, and thank you for that support. You know, the downloads and listens make me happy. If you do Patreon... Great. I love you too. I'll give you an extra, extra hug if we ever get to hang out in IRL together. In IRL. I think it's just IRL, right? <sighs> Always adding extra, extra words. Never mind. I'm old. That's my only excuse. All right, let's get out of here. This is the Men Division Podcast. Thank you for being here. Again, if you're a new listener to the show, I hope you stick around. I hope you have fun with us. We're going to get into it for the next seven weeks, and it's going to be a blast. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, I hope you had fun with this one. It's been a long time coming since we had some live action and new Star Wars content to talk about. And I'm just so delighted that you're all here still. Cannot wait to, to talk to you more about this over the next seven weeks. And if you're into it, on Friday, New Year's Eve, there will be another Star Wars The Clone Wars review, rewatch episode out that day as well. We have done it three episodes this week. I don't know if that's doable again next week. But we're, we're aiming for it. We're going to see if it can happen. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, most of you know, but if you don't know, now you do. There's only one way this podcast can end. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. What's your dad here for? He's cool. He's into the whole gaming culture. Nice poster. Oh, well, are you a big fan of the fat? No. So he's more of a Star Wars guy. Uh, he, Star he's Wars kidding. guy. Who is this man? He's